2: And here we go, kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, DeMond Cotton, your boy Q. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have Eric Galco, Director of Player Personnel from the Shrine Bowl, talk all things about the players and just the expectations of the games coming up on February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. I wanted to pass this note along from Josina Anderson on Twitter. She said, I'm told the Raiders are still working through their options at quarterback. They have not made a decision on the exact path at this time. The expectations is they'll explore the Tom Brady option in due time as one of those paths per league source. That's from Josina Anderson put out there on Twitter. So that's just one of the many reports that are out there. And it's kind of not really anything too new than what we already thought and what we already been hearing. But I uh, just wanted to pass that along because that was put out there. Uh, also on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187 keyword R&R. Uh, Gizmo said, no, I'm not confident at all. Talking about the young quarterbacks. Uh, hard for me to say because, since I've been a uh, fan of the team, the Raiders have never successfully developed a quarterback from the draft. I've been a fan since 85. Which quarterback is a franchise history? If any, was drafted by a team and also a winner. Uh, I, I, hey, I understand. I don't have the good answer for you, Geese Mode. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, it's hard to go back with the whole history of the team when this staff was not part of the history of the team, right? I mean, they're just one year, so you have to wait to see what that draft looks like, what those guys could look like, who they might even select. They might go through the whole draft. They might go through all 11 picks and not get a quarterback at all. So who knows? But just throwing it out there just for your confidence level, especially in the guys coming out of the college game, because I feel like there's so many of that element in the NFL at this time. Joining us on the phone lines from the Shrine Bowl, the director of player personnel, it's Eric Galco. He joins us every single Wednesday at this time. And, Eric, thanks so much for your time. And we've been talking about quarterbacks that are coming in from college to the NFL, and I feel like – uh, there's a lot more successful quarterbacks earlier than they, than it used to be, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's more college concepts in the NFL. Are you starting to see younger quarterbacks be more successful overall?
3: Yeah, and I think the quarterbacks that are being more successful early on in their career, and we'll use Brock Purdy, Shrine Bowl alum, is because I think there are a lot of quarterbacks that, A, have played a lot of football since their freshman year in college and have seen a lot of things, so they can kind of adapt that to the NFL quickly. But we're seeing the benefit of, A, more college schemes in the NFL, B more receiver talent and weapons that are easier to use. You want to get the ball in their hands as fast as possible. And then C NFL offensive coordinators and head coaches are doing a much better job of allowing their quarterbacks to be set up for success. So I think we're we're seeing a much higher level of a higher threshold of quarterback play across the NFL for younger guys and older guys as concepts become simpler, as talent around them becomes better it makes it a little easier for the quarterback to be successful.
2: You know, you said something about the wide receiver position. I didn't think about that, but a lot of these guys are going and getting college teammates. We saw that with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. And so uh, is that something that is also, I mean, you mentioned the wide receiver and how talented they are, but is it also getting guys that are familiar with each other?
3: Timing is is the most important part of every NFL concept nowadays, right? In the past, it was scheme. It was designing plays. It was creativity. Then it was kind of, the next evolution was like arm talent and driving the ball downfield and being a big, tall, strong-arm pocket passer. Right now, teams have recognized there's so much speed on the field that if we can time this right and get a defensive back a little off balance, every team's got a receiver that runs a 4 3 it feels like, right? Every mm-hmm. team's got speed. So if you have a quarterback who could be on time and a receiver and quarterback on the same page, it's hard to stop if you're an NFL defensive back.
2: Talking right now with Eric Galco, director of player personnel from the Shrine Bowl. And Eric, as the Shrine Bowl gets closer and closer, it's February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. I know you've done this plenty of times. You, you've you been a player personnel guy for a very long time. You've been evaluating talent for a very long time. Do you still kind of get those butterflies in your belly as it gets closer and closer?
3: Oh, there's nothing be- better than, than finding a player or being excited <laughs> about a player. And, and from my point of view, the Shrine Bowl now, there are a handful of players where, We we involve a lot of NFL personnel in our decision-making. I talk to NFL executives, NFL area scouts, NFL coaches all year round to make sure that we're bringing the talent that, in part, they want to see. But I'd be lying if there were probably three or four players that i say, you know what, other opinions don't care. These guys are guys that I know are going to be great. There's no better feeling as a scout when you can make those decisions and then hopefully end up being right at some of those decisions as well too. But that's what about this job is find those uncovered talents. And really, in my opinion – watching these players develop over their college NFL careers.
2: That's awesome, and We saw it right in front of our face last weekend between Brock – or not Brock Purdy, but seeing Skylar Thompson out there and seeing Brock Purdy uh, out there obviously playing in separate games. But uh, seeing both those guys out there, both are uh, Shrine Bowl alums. Uh, One guy I'm intrigued by this upcoming year is Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA, DTR. Uh, How much do you think he can – he can, you know, uh, how much ground can he gain this this upcoming week when he's uh, when he's there at the Shrine Bowl uh, with the talent evaluators? Like, what 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 can he? I don't think the word "gain" is correct, but what you know, what can he prove that week? Let's put it like that. Yeah, no, I'm going to use the the B
3: word again, Brock Purdy. But <laughs> Brock Purdy showed a year ago that hey, even though he played four and a half years of college football in, at, at Iowa State, Brock Purdy and he was got NFL teams had seen so much film on. Brock showed that you can get better even more than what you've done in five years during the draft process, right? He improved his arm talent. He cleaned up some of his footwork and he made himself an even more efficient passer. I think a lot of NFL personnel hopefully will recognize that lesson and see a guy like Dorian who has played against many elite talents at pass rusher, at blitzing linebackers, at coverage linebackers, at quarterbacks and safeties, complex defenses in the Pac-12s. He's really seen it all in his college career. So mentally, Nothing in the NFL is going to surprise or scare him. He'll adapt to an NFL playbook very, very easily. But he's also already adding arm talent. He's working with a guy, Jordan Palmer, one of the best quarterback coaches in the industry. He's already improving his mechanics, his lower body use. And at the Shrine Bowl, we'll see Dorian Thompson probably throw as strong of passes as he's ever thrown in his NFL career. So I think for NFL teams, they're going to see Dorian show an improvement over this next three, four months, not because he's was missing some at UCLA, but we can now he has to focus on his actual development as a quarterback instead of just running a team. So, and the lesson for guys like Brock Purdy is that even if they has been the block for a little while, A lot of these players can still get a lot better if they're prepared to do so.
2: Eric Galko is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you.
4: So, what do the front office executives tell you that they're looking for when it comes to what, obviously, what they're looking for in a player? Because we've heard it before. Let's say Ohio State quarterbacks don't translate to the NFL. Is it more about the scheme, the actual record, the success they had at the college level? What are they telling you that they're looking for in players?
3: You know, it's funny that a lot of players, a lot of NFL teams want to see guys that are kind of on the fringes or have big questions, um, which doesn't always lead to draft picks. That's kind of the, the back and forth between them. But a lot of NFL teams want to use the draft process, and especially the Shrine Bowl, to answer questions they couldn't answer on film. You mentioned Ohio State quarterbacks, let's say, or small school offensive linemen, um, or undersized linebackers. Hey, can they adapt when they're removed from their defense or offensive scheme and play alongside the Ohio State helmets, the Clemson helmets, the Alabama helmets, but also an environment where they're side-by-side side another NFL player. And that's what NFL teams really want to see, in guys. So They want to see a lot of different types of players. They want to see some players that are very, very similar and watch them go ref after ref and see who's faster, who's better in jump ball situations, who's better against that cornerback. So it really ends up being kind of a leveling standpoint. Every player is in the exact same situation, and you can really judge things such as athletic ability or similar traits at a high level. So like for example, we're going to have Zay Flowers at Boston College alongside a couple other smaller, speedy slot receivers and he'll compete with in practice. So what NFL teams will know. And I can see how these guys compare to a first-round pick like Zay Flowers all week. So NFL teams want to answer questions. They want to see the best players. But they want players they can answer questions on during the week of practice as well.
4: Also, when it comes to the teams and players that they might be looking for, do they mention, I know this is more of a pro, not, excuse me, a draft combine thing when it comes to the measurables, but do they say, hey, how many guys at the Shrine Bowl maybe fit this bill when it comes to arm length or height, or just the things that maybe don't translate onto the field, but it's just the measurables of the type of player that would fit their scheme?
3: Yeah, we've got a weigh-in process at the NFL Combine, and, and we won't test these guys 40-yard dash or things <laughs> like that, but... We do have a lot of data providers, uh, breakaway data is our official data partners are able to quantify how these guys are moving on the field for NFL teams to have a sense for how fast they move, how twitchy they are, what their agility is, etc. So I think really NFL teams are using the triangle to kind of answer, at least at this point of the process, hey, just side by side. Hey, is this 5'11 linebacker making the same plays as a 6'3 linebacker and just a little bit shorter, or is there a real limitation here because of his size? Or a small receiver, same question too. So I think teams using the concepts of of height and weight and arm length and hand size, but by comparison, not by ruling players out, if that makes sense.
2: So do NFL teams reach out kind of throughout the whole course of the year, or is it just like a certain period of time where they start reaching out?
3: No, it's, it's usually all year, but it probably ramps up quite a bit the second half of October through the end of the year, right? Once area scouts and teams take the first half of the college season, if they can form some opinions, they'll reach out and really we will share notes. Hey, this is a we're thinking about inviting. What do you guys think? Who are we missing here? What guys do you like quite a bit? So I try to be as collaborative as I can be because my opinion, I work for these NFL teams, make sure that they're seeing the right guys. They're making their time in Vegas worthwhile. I talk to them quite a bit, but really it's a collaborative process and especially ramping up from late October up until today. Um, NFL communications are happening.
2: Right, no doubt, no doubt. Eric Galco, director of player personnel from the Shrine Bowl, joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Do you feel like there's a position group that are going to be represented at the Shrine Bowl this past uh, this upcoming year? I mean, that uh, that may be a little bit deeper than others.
3: I think the receiver group we have is pretty special. Um, A lot of guys that I think are going to be first, second, third round draft picks that you'll see right away in the NFL as rookies. I think are really impressive. And a year ago, we had Tyquan Thornton who. Used the Shrine Bowl and then ran a, I think a four one nine. They eventually <laughs> think to a four two four. Right, but a heck of a forty yard dash time at the NFL Combine, and he ended up being a mid second round pick. We'll have many of those type of players this year. A couple of names we've mentioned: Zay Flowers in Boston College. So he'll be a first round pick. He's somewhere between Deshaun Jackson and Jalen Waddell. He's mm. that exciting of a player, wow. and I think he'll be a guy that goes in the top 20-25 overall picks. Bryce Ford Wheaton. And Justin Shorter, they're both from West Virginia and Florida, respectively. They're both 6'3", 6'4", 220 pounds. We'll run the low four fours. 4s um, Good chance one of those guys ends up being a lot like D.K. Metcalf in his career. Jacob Copeland at Maryland, he's going to run in the low four twos at the Combine. So we've got some really, really impressive players that are going to be competing at receiver all week long. I think we'll have many guys going to the top 100 picks and many rookies playing early next season for their NFL teams.
4: What's the process like for a player maybe trying out a different position at the Shrine Bowl? Would it be the coaches, or can a player suggest, hey, I know I'm here at corner, but I think I'd probably be more, I'd, I project better as a safety in the NFL level. Is that up to the coaches or the players?
3: It's a great question. It's a little bit of both. Um, I think players want to test out into positions they'll fit better at the NFL than they did in college. I think also NFL teams want to see these guys in more challenging situations and really test out the extremes of that versatility but we also want to make sure players are put in a position where they can look good and be impressive, right? I don't want to have a player play a position he's never played before and look bad during the week of practice and really hurt his NFL draft value to teams as well, too. So it's kind of a give-and-take between what these players want to do, what the NFL teams want to do, and still protecting the player. But we've got some fascinating guys from last year and this year. Last year we had a guy, Armani Rodgers, who was a limitedly used quarterback at UNLV? And yeah, buddy! <laughs> transitioned to tight end at the Shrine Bowl, the first time he's ever played tight end in his life. Dominated all week in practice. Should have been drafted, made the opening day roster for the Washington Commanders at tight end. That was his first time ever playing tight end. So he was the guy that did that transition. And then a the guy this year I'm really excited to see two guys. One is Derek Parrish of Houston. Mm. I think he had six sacks in his first two games this season as an, as an edge rusher. Unfortunately got hurt, but it's healthy now, but he'll be playing fullback as well as edge rusher. Wow. A lot of teams like him at fullback. And then Jack Coletto, one of my favorite guys coming to the Shrine Bowl this year for Oregon State, he played quarterback, running back, fullback, tight end, and was their starting linebacker. They'll be doing a bit of everything during the week of practice as well too. So they're both tackling our fullbacks, but they're more utility guys that NFL teams are dying to see.
2: You know, I I love that you went to the guys that are versatile because that's what we've been hearing from Raiders GM Dave Ziegler and and Josh McDaniels, the head coach, that they're looking for guys that could play multiple roles. How much are you hearing that kind of feedback from other NFL teams that hey, versatility is something that we really you know we really covet?
3: No, I think NFL teams value versatility because as they want to run more. Up tempo and no huddle, you want to be able to have a couple different looks you can give to an opposing offense, I'm sorry, opposing defense without changing your personnel. But right? If you change your personnel, the other team can change their personnel. So, I think a lot of teams want tight ends who could be inline guys, H-backs and fullbacks, running backs who can play receiver, slot receivers to play outside because you can kind of change what you're doing and what your looks are. On the same token, they want defensive players to do the same thing, right? They want linebackers who can cover slot receivers if possible, or, you know, defensive ends who can split out and cover a running back in a pinch. So I think everything's looking for versatility because of that up-tempo desire, to make sure that teams are not cut off guard when they're playing different matchups.
2: Final question I have for you is: How about the quarterback position? What is, what is, is there a certain? I know there's, I know Hodges Tomlinson, a guy that I know from since high school. I mean, he's he's a, a smaller guy, but is there a certain body type that, that most NFL teams are looking for as soon as like height and size? Like there wasn't one. Remember that one time where it was like everyone wanted to be a Seattle Seahawk type corner? Is it kind of <laughs> is it kind of that that range again? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Obviously,
3: last year. The Seahawks kind of revamped their Seahawks corner. They got Tariq Woolen, who's Richard Sherman, but more athletic, right? 6'4, mm-hmm. runs a 4'3 and 4'2 even, and really dynamic players. I think every team wants those kind of guys. We've got a few of those guys come to the Shrine Bowl, but I think teams are much more focused on just like they are a receiver. Hey, I don't care what size they are. Can they create a matchup for us, right? The Miami Dolphins have their best two receivers are under 5'10, but they're doing just fine on offense. I think NFL teams see that on corner. We don't need stereotype, big corners on the outside, a small nickel. They want guys who can win matchups, whether it's Hodges Tomlinson, who's going to be a dynamic nickel, safety, corner, versatile player for a defense, or it's Corey Trice at Purdue, who's 6'3", 215, and can be an outside corner. I think teams want to know, hey, can these guys win matchups? NFL teams want to see, can Corey Trice start? A fast guy like Zay Flowers can Hodges, Tomlinson, guard a big guy like Bryce Ford, Wheaton, too. So I think NFL teams are less married to size and weight. One of the lightest players at the Combine the last 15 years at cornerback was Jack Jones, Bowl alum, and was a starting quarterback for the Patriots as a rookie this year. So mm-hmm. teams are not worry about size as much, they want good cornerbacks that can match. To to get, that's up against
2: you. Well, I'll tell you what, it's only a couple of weeks away. As you know, February 2nd is the actual game. It's a Thursday at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, the week leading up to it will be the practices and the get to know the players. And, of course, we'll be out there for Media Day as well. And, uh, Eric, as we get closer and closer, we get more and more excited about it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. We really appreciate your time. Yes, sir. There he goes, Eric Galco, Director of Player Personnel for the Shrine Bowl on Twitter, at Eric Galco. And I'm telling you, Daman, uh, I start, I start getting – Getting ramped up, man, the closer and closer these kind of events go because these are big deals. Uh, And I think that the question that you asked about, you know, talking to NFL teams and and the way that he said that, hey, they're always reaching out. This is what we're looking for. This is, you know, and they're kind of working hand in hand. So you know the guys that are invited to the Shrine Bowl are not just cats that are, there. well, I think that I might be able to have an opportunity to play in the NFL, so let me go to this showcase. No, these guys are being hand-selected by Eric and his staff and it's going off of what they're hearing, the kind of feedback, and really the the, the, the questions that the NFL teams are asking about these players, they're going to try to help answer with that kind of showcase. I think that that makes everyone have a better understanding of what this is really all about.
4: Yes, and also one something that made me perk up when he mentioned it when he started naming players, starting off with Armani Rogers about the players I mean, that have the to versatility. Excited. I'm
2: gonna need you to not get so damn excited when you hear a UNLV name pop up. Hey, man,
4: that was the quarterback when I was in college when I was calling them games of mm. getting blown out to San Diego State. That's <laughs> yeah, the guy exactly. who was leading the hill. That's
2: not yeah, that's not what he wants to be. My oh, man, I, I was the quarterback that was getting my ass kicked. But he transitioned
4: <laughs> into an NFL caliber I mean, tight that's, end.
2: That's not what he's gonna talk about when he goes into that job interview. So Armani, how? was your experience at UNOV? Oh, I was getting my ass kicked as a starting quarterback, but you know what? I could be a tight end for you and be successful. That's not what he's talking about.
4: Sir, son, that's how we you put yourself out there. I love that you can admit your faults, but you at tight end, you're gonna be a winner here for the Washington Commanders.
2: As long as he don't go get no dollar stakes, he'll be just fine.
4: Hey, that's Bill Toughness.
2: <laughs> yeah, toughness in your belly. 318 is the time. When we come back, we'll get to your calls and texts. It's unnecessary roughness. Reddit your radio, nine twenty.
0: It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
2: Coming up at 330, Cole Kublik, ESPN SEC Network. He'll join the show. Talk all things SEC quarterbacks. You have a quarterback that you want to ask us to ask Cole about that's in the SEC, playing the SEC, please hit us up. Don't hesitate. Don't be broke.com. Text line, 69187, keyword R and R. Of course, our listener line is 702 365 9200 original question that I threw out there earlier in the show was about the young quarterbacks that are playing in the divisional round of the playoffs. Everyone is under the age of 30. Dak Prescott is actually the oldest guy at 29 years old. So with that information, I asked the question about young quarterbacks coming into the league. Are you confident that the Raiders could go draft a guy and maybe in a year or two, he could be ready to play? Because there's more success, as we talked to Eric Galco just a little while ago, more success being had by the younger quarterbacks in in this, in this kind of brand and this run in the NFL the past few years, the younger quarters, quarterbacks have have more success. Multiple reasons for that. College concepts. Eric Galco brought up the point of there's weapons all over the field, a lot of speedy wide receivers that are in the league, so they're able to get comfortable and hit that wide receiver. Like we saw with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, that became an instant success. You see what Justin Jefferson is doing in Minnesota. Plenty of really good quarterbacks and really good Skill position players are making it easier as well, not to mention the running game, the running backs that are really good that help out the quarterbacks in a, in, in a major way. So we want to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Just want to know what your confidence level is. And if you don't have any confidence, that's okay too. You can let us know. Again, 702-365-9200. Billy, right here in Vegas, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show.
1: Hey, I just want to let you know that the Raiders did draft a quarterback uh, years ago, and he developed – have you ever heard of Kenny Stabler?
2: Yes, I have. He, he didn't play. Him. He didn't play right away, but yeah, absolutely, no doubt.
1: He was, you know. But I was listening to you, and they drafted him, and he sat on the bench for a while, and there was a controversy, and there was a brother that was quarterback that Al Davis had gone with, and I can't remember his name. Uh, I think he played at Tennessee State, and uh, he was, you know, actually there was a
4: little quarterback controversy there. I've been a Raider fan since '63, man. <laughs> I've
2: been alive since '76.
4: Big Barton? I've been alive since '76.
1: Yeah, no, but I've been I've been with the Raiders since '63. Went to the Super Bowl with them in uh, Pasadena against the Vikings, in New Orleans against the uh, Vikings. I mean the uh, Eagles. So
2: I've been, I've been with them for a while. Nice, nice. We appreciate that. Thanks for the feedback, my man. And, yeah, that was in response to a text that said that this organization has never drafted and developed. So Billy right there coming in with the the little history lesson. We appreciate that, Billy. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up and said, Q, I think it's a lot about how well the coaches or the the, the quarterbacks are coached up. Uh, this season the convo was well. It looks like Danny Dimes is a career backup. Dayball comes in, and now he's looking like the guy. Look at Mr. Irrelevant. He's looking Pretty relevant to me. If the coach could play into a young kid's strengths, it's almost immediate dividends in my opinion. McDaniels must do this with the next guy. Am I confident he can? He did it with Mac Jones last year. Yeah, I'm confident. So there you go. A couple little errors there that maybe me mess up on that text, but I get the gist of it. So if the if the coach can find the strengths of that quarterback, find what he does really well, and that's a good point about Mac Jones in New England because they were a 10-win team. Right now, they did have a defense. You know, I want to make sure to make that clear. They did have a defense, but he found out what Mac Jones did well, and he he he, he got the most out of him. And you saw once he left, Mac Jones took a step back. So I think that that's a very valid point that you bring up. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, let's see. We got a text from Geese Mode. He said, Q, I think that the speed of today's defenses means that being able to ex- spend, extend plays with mobility is a must. I'm 100% confident that the Raiders have to draft or trade for a young phenom that can shake the pressure whether or not he can immediately understand McDaniel's extensive playbook. The best of both worlds is a guy that understands the system and can operate in today's fast-paced game. And that's the other thing about the game. It is definitely evolving, right? There's definitely a lot of evolution in the NFL right now. So a lot of guys that are successful right now wouldn't have been successful 10, 15 years ago. They would have looked at him like, that guy can't play quarterback. Put that guy at wide receiver, (laughs) right? Put that guy at DB. Something like that. They wouldn't allow them to play quarterback because of the style that they have. You know, where it's kind of like very athletic guys, and you know, even even big dudes. There's some guys that are probably playing quarterback right now. That back in the day, they probably would have had them at tight end. Who knows, right? I mean, it's just looking at the 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 way the game has evolved. There's there's just it's 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 just it's done exactly that. I guess that's the best way to explain it. It's evolved. 3, 3.27 is the time. When we come back, Cole Kublik, ESPN and SEC Network, he'll join us. We'll talk all things SEC quarterbacks. This is Raider Nation Radio
0: 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
2: Talked earlier in the show to Eric Galco, director of player personnel for the Shrine Bowl. Talked about all the guys that have been invited to be here in Las Vegas February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium, kind of doing a showcase for NFL scouts, GMs, coaches, see what they could do at the next level. Now I want to take a dip into the college game. Guys that have been playing in the in the collegiate ranks for a while and would do that and help us do that and break it on down is Cole Kublik from ESPN and SEC Network. And Cole, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. My man, I want to go to the best, which is the SEC. We know that. We know how many players get drafted from the SEC each and every year, and... There's a handful of quarterbacks that, you know, obviously are coming from the SEC that are very intriguing. So I wanted to get your thoughts on guys that are playing in the SEC or played in the SEC that will be draft eligible this upcoming year. Just get your thoughts on what you saw from them. And I really want to start with a guy who I thought could be the Heisman Trophy winner until he tore his ACL, and that was uh, uh, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I thought he was a hell of a quarterback. What did you see from him uh, at Tennessee, especially this year where he only threw three interceptions that made him so stinking good?
1: Yeah, I think that was one of the big parts of it is not turning the football over. I think you also deal with a guy that has good mobility. You know, he, he didn't win that starting job from Joe Milton uh, until Joe Milton got a little bit dinged up. And you talked to Alex Golish and you talked to Josh Heupel, and they'll tell you that because they don't let guys hit the quarterback in practice, they didn't really know what they had from his mobility and a leg standpoint, being able to run the ball, move with the ball. And once he got into live action, that part of his game wasn't going to allow him to be unseated. I think the other thing that separates and Hooker is the deep ball accuracy. I mean, he throws a beautiful deep ball and he's extremely accurate with that deep ball. It's not one that I think he's just taking a chance on for a guy to go run up under it or a guy to go grab a 50, 50 ball. I mean, he knows how to drop it in on the guy's numbers. So I think you're looking at somebody who's going to be able to move around the pocket, somebody who can hit a deep ball and somebody who, when you just sit down and talk to him is as classy and dignified a young man that you're going to visit with. So I think there's going to be a lot that NFL teams fall in love with when they begin to spend some more time with Hendon Hooker.
2: You know, when Tua was coming out, and uh, obviously Bryce Young is going to be coming out this year, a lot of times you hear the narrative, well, look at all the weapons that he has around him. How can he, how can he not be good? When Mac Jones was coming out, they were saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. He's got too many weapons. Is this a case when it comes to Hendon Hooker that, well, he's got so many weapons, how could he miss? Or is this, no, he makes those weapons that much better?
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so because, you know, he, he was really a big part of what made that offense go. Uh, the quick ball distribution, the screen game, you know, Tennessee, they they run a little bit of that. You know, it's kind of an air raid from the Bryles tree offense. And, you know, he gets the ball sideline to sideline quickly, gets it out quick, but can work the middle of the field. We've seen him do that. And I think the, the misconception with Tennessee is that the tight ends aren't involved and there's not a lot of a run game. There really is. So play action something that Hindenhooker Hooker. Also very adept with, so I, I, there, there's not really a weakness in his game. Obviously, the injury people are going to be a little bit concerned about that, but other than that, I, I don't think you look at what he did and say, "Oh, well, he just had elite receivers." I mean, nobody was talking about Jalen Hyatt going into the season, right? And all of a sudden, he turned into a monster. Uh, we have heard about Brew McCoy for three or four years mm-hmm. coming out, whether it was going to be Texas, USC, whatever it was, but you know, we hadn't really seen him be productive on the field. And then Cedric Tillman was dinged up for a lot of the year. I mean, he didn't play against Alabama. So uh, I I don't think that this was a scenario where, you know, he had uh, three or four first-round receivers that he was throwing to, and that's the reason that he was successful. It helped a little bit in some areas. But that's not the reason that Hendon Hooker had the success that he
2: did. Cole Kublik is our guest here from ESPN and the SEC Network on Radio Nation Radio, 920 Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you.
4: Yeah, something that I wanted to ask you about with Hendon Hooker, it's about the age. And another quarterback in the SEC, Stetson Bennett, it comes to the age. Do you, how much do you think that that matters where, hey, these guys, they're so much older, where if you can play in the NFL, you can play in the NFL?
1: Yeah, I mean, Hendon Hooker, it was wild. I don't know if you guys saw the, the clip or the graphic or the whatever it was, meme, something, but this video where it started rolling through the NFL quarterbacks that are that are younger than Stetson Bennett. You're like, hold on, man. It feels like Trevor Lawrence has been in the league for five years. Like, how <laughs> how in the hell is he younger than Stetson Bennett? Like, It just doesn't feel possible, a couple of the guys that they threw up there. I think Lamar Jackson's younger than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like he's got a couple of MVPs under his belt by now. So it, I think what you're looking at there is, you're bringing someone in that probably is not going to have to be groomed as much to at least be ready to be on your roster. I don't know if mm. Stetson Bennett's ready to step in and be an NFL starter right now, but I do think it's time to look past a little bit of the the size and, you know, is he big enough? Does he have enough arm? Stetson Bennett can make the throws. He really can. And as I, I don't really care much about the stature. Here's what's wild about it. People are going to debate whether Bryce Young is going to come off the board at one, two, or three, He's smaller than Stetson Bennett is. I've, I've been next to both of them. I've talked to mm. both of them, shook both their hands. Like, he's smaller in stature than Stetson Bennett is. And I think Stetson Bennett has just as good a mobility in being able to be elusive in the pocket or escape the pocket. So there will be strengths to his game that people are going to look at and say, yeah, we can, he'll be valuable to us on the roster. Maybe not as a starter, but on the roster. And he's a guy that I think maybe you spend a little money on right now and say – well, he's old enough, mature enough to be able to come in and be the backup, and we're not going to have to worry about him learning the system or learning how things operate because he is of age.
4: Keeping it on the quarterbacks in the SEC, want to talk to you about Will Levis because the Raiders have the seventh pick. So, mm-hmm. you know, Raider Nation wants to hear about the quarterbacks. Will Levis, he came into the season, I think, even high, higher rated than he is now. A little bit of a drop-off with of that season with Kentucky. But What do you think about him?
1: Well, first off, you're not going to get me to go against my boy Stidham, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but, uh, I will say this. Uh, will Levis is, you know, this is going to be a very interesting draft for what we just talked about a moment ago. Size is going to be a real part of I mean, if we picked apart Kyler Murray, a guy who ran for, I don't know what it was, 1,500 yards, like took a bunch of hits and was a legitimate running threat, if we picked apart his size, I, I can't wait to see what they're going to do to Bryce Young because I'm just telling you guys, you have no idea the stature. Like I, th- I think he could be an NFL starter, a franchise quarterback, but just he is a lot smaller than people think. Same thing with Stetson Bennett. And then we're going to turn the page and get to these just physical freak shows like these CrossFit game champion, like World strongest man, like American Gladiator type quarterbacks with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson that can physically do things that maybe no other quarterback on the planet is capable of doing. I mean, Anthony Richardson told me at SEC Media Day he's going to run on the 4-4s. Four the guy's going to be 245 pounds. I've seen him throw the football 72, 73 yards in the air. I've seen Will Levis throw the ball almost 80 yards in the air. That guys he's probably going to be 250, 255, can run, tough as nails. Uh, both guys you're going, to, you're going to love being around talking to. GMs are going to enjoy what they have to say, how they carry themselves. They're going to want them on their rosters, but – The question is going to have to be asked, can they be a quarterback? And it's the age-old question that we've been asking now for over a decade. Are you more athlete? Are you more quarterback? Can Mm -hmm. you go from athlete and be a quarterback? We heard this with Cam Newton coming out. Mm -hmm. heard it with Lamar Jackson coming out. Can those guys go in and operate the offense on an every-down basis situationally from week one to week 16 and be that guy on an NFL roster? They haven't had to be much of that in college. I think it'll help Levis a lot working with Scangrello last year at Kentucky. uh, He had that West Coast offense, a lot of verbiage, very different for him. So that kind of experience I think will assist him a little bit. But both of those guys physically are going to – absolutely. if I was Will Levis, I would go to the combine and do everything possible, and I would ask to do it twice because he is going to be that kind of a physical presence at the NFL combine. When he throws – The other guys are going to be sitting there going, oh, man, I got to throw after this dude. Like, they're not going to want to do it. Mm -hmm. That's how the ball comes out. And that's the kind of velocity that he's going to be able to put on the football. It's just there are moments when you wonder if he's just trying to play Superman, trying to play hero ball because he is so athletically gifted.
2: So let me ask you this. Gut feeling, can those guys make that transition and be more of a quarterback than an actual just athlete?
1: I do think Will Levis can. I I, I saw the adaptation in his game a little bit over the last two years. I think he's got it in him, and I think he played pretty beat up last year. I mean, he he, he had the foot injury, and then I actually covered the game in which he goes into the locker room, gets his shoulder shot up at halftime, comes back, plays a non-throwing shoulder, plays the second half because he wanted to help his team win a game, and told me in the post-game interview, he's like, yeah, I had to get the magic shot at halftime, and then he comes back and guts it out. So he's the kind of competitor that you're just going to want, I, I think Anthony Richardson may actually be more gifted, uh, but hasn't settled down quite as much as Will has just yet. So it, it's hard to say that neither will, just because physically they're going to be capable of doing so much. Uh, but I see them both as being NFL starters and potentially long-term starters.
2: Cole Kublick is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things SEC quarterback. And let me take you back. I covered Jared Stidham when he was at Baylor. You seen him when he was at Auburn. Obviously, he got a couple of starts here in Vegas with the Raiders to end the season. What are your thoughts on just Jared Stidham? What you know? How, how much did you get to know him while he was at Auburn?
1: I know him well, and I think he's number one. He's he's an excellent dude. He's a good locker room guy. He, he wants to be. He 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 welcomes that position and everything that comes with it. I just think he throws a beautiful ball. Mm-hmm. And I think he's got a, a guy that's got good pocket presence. The timing and the rhythm of the offense that he was in at Auburn wasn't one that really suited his game. It could have, probably should have been designed in a very different way. It would have allowed him to be more successful. If he just stayed in that Baylor offense and they had continued to run it the way that they were, I think he would have put up massive numbers. But, you know, sneaky mobility. You guys have seen him leave pressure a few times, pick up a first down here and there. Uh, you know, probably want to cut down on some of the turnovers. I think maybe tried to press a little bit late because he knew he was getting that opportunity to go earn the chance to be the guy. But I think Jared can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think he's that gifted in his right arm. And I think he has that kind of ability. He just needs the opportunity in the right system.
2: No, I hear you. And believe me, when he when he committed, actually he did commit it from Texas Tech and then committed to Baylor, everyone lost their mind. Tech was angry and Baylor was ecstatic, right? I mean, because he was that five-star guy coming out of high school, Stephenville High School. He was, he was that yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, you
1: get a quarterback from Stephenville, like everybody's peeing their pants over
2: that guy, right? Like, <laughs> you know right, exactly right. You already know. You already know how that goes down. Cole Kublik is our guest here. On Raider Nation Radio 920, and Cole. One of the things I pointed out on the show earlier today was the fact that there's these young guys in the in the divisional round of the playoffs this upcoming weekend, where Dak Prescott's the oldest guy, at like 29 years old, which is kind of unbelievable because you're used to having the old the old usuals there, the old heads there. and So it's a lot of young guys. Are you seeing guys coming out of college more successful earlier in the NFL? Like they're more ready for the NFL? I guess is the best way to put it.
1: There's absolutely no doubt. Everything is just starting earlier. Uh, and, and, some of this works against some kids at certain points in time. Like we hear Pat Mahomes talk all the time about how playing baseball helps him play every sport you can, you know, identify athleticism in different ways. Uh, you know, don't just be the left slot receiver your whole life. And then all of a sudden when you're asked to do different things, it's going to be so uncomfortable that you can't. But we got seven on seven camps. We got individual quarterbacks gurus that are working with kids now at, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Everything is just advanced, understanding of offenses, how to handle yourself. You know, these kids come in wanting to play their freshman year right now. And, you know, it used to be a scenario where a lot of guys would get stuck and they'd have to sit around and wait. Well, you can do what Will Howard and LSU just did and say, I'm going somewhere else. I want to play. And if it's not play next year, I want to be guaranteed I'm going to probably play the year after that. So everything is just moving up. I was around Bryce Young. Um, you know, in his first career start and his third career start, and just seeing the way that he carried himself, talking to his teammates, talking to us in the media, meeting with us before the game, it's just, it's it's light years beyond where the majority of guys were when I played college football. And I think a lot of it, too, is that expectation. It's, hey, I'm not going to Red Shirt. I'm not going to figure out where the dorm is and where all the buildings are that i got to go to class in. I'm coming in to start right now. That's the mindset a lot of these high school recruits. And they've been groomed to be that way with extra coaching, extra time in the weight room, extra time training. And a lot of them can come in and do it. And I think that only gets them ready to play in the NFL that much sooner.
4: Something that I wanted to ask you that's been stuck in my head ever since you mentioned it, Uh Bryce Young and Will Levis. You talked about the handshake. You shook both of their hands. Who had the firmer handshake?
1: Well, I mean, Will Levis' hands are like a left tackle's hand. (laughs) Yeah, he's a monster compared to Bryce. I'm just telling you, man, when you meet Will Levis, you're like, is this a defensive end or is this a quarterback? Like, you have to wonder a little bit. Like, he's, you know, and and I think that there will be people that are going to say, you know, Tebow, Jake Locker-ish type of a guy. But he's someone that he welcomes things that are different. He wants to learn different aspects of playing quarterback, and that was one thing that I appreciated about him at Kentucky. You know, he could have been a guy that just went and tried to run you over or tried to throw it as hard as he could or throw it as far as he could. He kind of welcomed a little bit of that West Coast offense where he needed a little bit of touch. He needed to change the velocity and had to understand a different style offense that he was playing in previously. So, physically, Will Levis is going to be that guy. But I'm going to tell you, man, you you kind of mentioned it earlier with some other quarterbacks and who they have around them. Bryce Young is going to be labeled with that just a little bit. But go put his final game on against Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl, and I think you get a full appreciation of just, like, I watched that tape and I came away from it and said, I still don't know if we really have an idea how good Bryce Young was or as a college football player. Like, I still don't think we have a – and this is a kid that won a Heisman, this kid that won a ton of games, has a chance to be the number one overall pick, and I still think there's a lot of people that just don't fully understand how much he did for that offense the last two years, especially this year because he didn't have a lot of receivers that separated and went out and did a lot of things on their own. Bryce Young just a special, special player.
4: I know we've been talking a lot of offense, but I did want to ask you about one defensive player. I know the Raiders are picking seventh, and he might not be there, but can you tell us Don't how good... Don't
2: you do it! Don't you do it! How
4: cute is Q's going to get excited about this Cole, but how good is Jalen Carter? Ah.
1: <laughs> He's, He's good. Deal. And, and, I, and I tell you, boy, I can't even imagine him inside next to Max Crosby. I, I would not want to play on that side of the offensive line. Uh, he is he is one of those guys that is 300-plus pounds but very loose. And, and when I say loose, I mean flexible, has quickness, lateral quickness, has elite get-off. Uh, he understands how to strike and shed. He's got good length, especially with his arms. He just – when he's on, he, he's as difficult to handle as anybody I've seen playing inside in college football in, in a long time. And And he probably brings – you know, a little bit more bulk than, than what you would think of. Because a lot of times you have – you either have the shorter squad of your guys that are super quick, like a Quentin Williams, and then wins that way, or you have the guys that just overpower you, kind of like an Indomitian Sioux or a Vita Vea. And Jalen Carter, I think, is kind of in the middle of that. Like, he's, he's, he's kind of Derek Brownish coming out of Auburn uh, and maybe a little bit leaner than Derek Brown was when he was coming out, but has the same kind of quickness and ability. So, he's a special player, man. If he gets in the right system, right coaching they can get him going – on a very regular basis, he's got a chance to dominate the NFL. I'll be surprised if he's there at 7. I thought (laughs) you were going to go Will Anderson. I don't think he's going to be there at 7.
2: No, 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 he won't. No, he won't. And that's why I told DeMond don't do it because I knew (laughs) he was going to get me all hot and bothered about that because I've been talking about Jalen Carter for a minute, man. That dude, he could absolutely go. Well, Cole, thanks so much for your time, man. Great insight. We definitely really appreciate everything you bring to the table. What do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for?
1: Uh, you know, I'm going to keep my college football podcast going, uh, the Cube Show. You can search it on YouTube, uh, on Twitter at Cole Kubelik, or at Cube Show. You can follow along there. We're gonna we'll go draft, we'll go draft prospects. We're doing obviously portal roster movement, coaching movement. Uh, we'll be talking about all of that uh, at the Cube Show. You can find it on YouTube. Please subscribe, and then obviously you can hear me every morning with Greg McElroy on WJOX, uh, JoxFM.com, JoxFM.com. Seven to ten a.m. Central.
2: Good job, good job, fantastic stuff. Well, Cole, if it's okay with you, man, a few you know weeks down the down the line, when we start to get you know a little bit more clarity on on who's gonna be doing what and all kind of different combine stuff, we'd love to get you back on to talk some more of these prospects that are gonna be in the upcoming draft. If that's all right with you.
1: Anytime, I enjoyed being with you guys. Just uh, let me know, and I'm glad to hop back
2: on. Will do. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate you, my man. There he goes. Fantastic stuff, right there, Cole Kublik. ESPN SEC Network does a fantastic job, and uh, yeah, man, you had to go there, Ricardo. You had to go there. You knew you. Why? I don't know why.
4: I just wanted him to put it in perspective for me.
2: I've Perspective for weeks.
4: Yeah, but he's you know, right there and close up personal. You know, I've he's been a, putting in perspective for weeks. He's got the boots on the ground. I've been putting in perspective <laughs> for weeks. He he's seen the eye test up close and personal. I've
2: been putting in perspective for weeks, for weeks.
4: <laughs> Former <laughs> offensive lineman, you know he
2: can Four tell.
0: Weeks 3.48's
2: eighths of times. Nation Radio nine twenty.
0: Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q. On Raider Nation Radio.
2: Really good stuff from Cole Kublik from ESPN. SEC Network on Twitter at Cole Kublik. Really appreciate his time this afternoon talking all things SEC quarterbacks. I like how he's talking about Bryce Young and the intangibles that he brings to the table. Because we we all know he's a hell of a quarterback. But also to be able to do what he did this year. I know Alabama didn't go where they wanted to go. But man, what he was able to do with not as much as he is used to doing it with. Especially the way he played that sugar bowl, like Cole pointed out. I thought that that was a a great job. And, man, I mean, I think he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. The only thing that worries me is what worries everybody, which is his size. Jason in Maryland hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Bryce Young is from my hometown. I've been saying he's kind of small all season. The problem is he don't wiggle. He don't got wiggle like Kyler does. I feel like Raider fans think he's going to be out there running around. At his size, I don't know. He's like 5'11", 190, just really small. And that's the thing about it. I just, I mean, I don't think that from what I see in Bryce Young, watching a lot of Alabama football, he's not trying to go out there and run like Kyler Murray, right? He's not trying to run, to Jason's point, he's not trying to run Cliff Kingsbury's offense. But he has the wiggle if he has to. He he can get out of harm's way, which is really all you need. Like, I'm not asking. I don't want anyone to get it twisted. I'm not asking for whoever the next guy to be uh, a guy like Lamar that's running around and that he's he's a, a, a major part of the offense where it's like you know he's going to run for 600, 700 yards a season easily. right? I'm not asking for that guy. I'm just asking for a guy that can get out of harm's way when he needs to and maybe keep the uh, defenses honest at the same time. A guy that's willing to do that. That's that's what I'm looking for. So uh, I, I, like, I like Bryce Young a lot. I just, one, know he's going to be the first quarterback, or at least I feel like he's going to be the first quarterback uh, taken in the draft, and... I just don't know about the shelf life as far as, you know, just his durability with his size. And that's unfortunate for him. I mean, it doesn't really matter for him. I guess it'll be a question that is answered uh, by, by NFL teams, how they feel about it. But, you know, it could, it could be the one part of his game that people look at and say, yeah, but because of his size.
4: Yeah, but you say that, as I just say, yeah, but myself, Right. he's still going to be a top five pick to me. I don't see him sliding that far down. Like, if he's at seven for the Raiders, you absolutely got to take him. And the thing about Kyler Murray, where it comes to being, like, such a great athlete in Lamar Jackson, where those guys, yes, they do run, but sometimes you have to think, what do they have around them that requires them to, the pocket breaks down and then they just collapse? Well, Bryce Young, he didn't have to do that. At Alabama. Right. You know, the offense wasn't designed for, hey, we're going to make you also a runner. Right. It just If it comes up that you need to run, it's good that you know we have we know that you have that ability. Same thing Cole mentioned with Hendon uh, Hooker out of Tennessee. They didn't really know that he could run because, hey, you don't need to do that in practice. Right. Or sometimes if the offense doesn't require you to run, you don't need to, but it's just a nice feature to have.
2: I'll tell you what, if Kyler Murray didn't have that feature, that running <laughs> feature, the Raiders wouldn't have lost in Week 2. That was maddening. I mean, it was just... I don't get emotional or any of that in the press box because, one, we can't. But, I mean, if I could have, like, pounded the table, like, get his ass. Like, I, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like everyone felt the same way I did. I'm thinking in my head, like, can you not get him? But that dude, he looked like Bo Jackson – Back on Tecmo Bowl, back in the day, when you just gave him the sweep and then he just ran and you couldn't catch him, and so you knew that they couldn't catch you, so you just toyed with your with the players that you're the team that you were playing against. You start, yeah, zigzagging, running backwards. <laughs> I bet you ain't gonna catch me. Like I used to do, do dumb stuff like that. I would run the whole clock out, right? I'd have one possession and I just run around, on, oh, "You ain't gonna catch me." You, ain't, you know, like dumb stuff. That's what it felt like with Kyler Murray. I was just watching the dude just run circles around the Raiders' defense and their tongues out on the ground because. Couldn't catch the dude. I mean, he had it was like he had jets in his damn shoes. It was ridiculous.
4: Yeah, and also you mentioned that, especially when you watch ESPN and Sports Center, they put up the clock yeah, next to it. Yeah, that yeah, That just really makes you hear, mad you too. Then you hear whoop, whoop, whoop. I was
2: like, if you don't turn, so I had to finally turn the the volume off the TV when I'm watching it at the house because you're right. They have the they have the little whole, uh, you know, the whole bracket up there or the or, or the trajectory of of what you know, what direction he went and how many yards he went and how many seconds and all that. He almost
4: ran a mile. like, right, a, like exactly.
2: <laughs> I was like, man. And then all of a sudden you hear, like I said, you hear Berman in the background, whoop. Oh, is Max Crosby going to get him? Whoop. Nope. Oh, is this guy going to get him? Whoop. Nope. And I was like, shut up. Shut up. I get it. That was, I mean, if you're a defender, you probably sat in your locker and was like, what in the hell did we just witness? That was ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen a dude. Run like that. Like, we saw Patrick Mahomes run for his life in the Super Bowl, but we saw him get caught, right, and not have success. Kyler Murray was just running and running and running and keeping plays alive and going one side to sideline to sideline. I was like, what in the world? But he was having success. That was wild. 3.56 at the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show. It's Radio Radio 920.